السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ مثنا That what has come, meaning what has been mentioned concerning performing voluntary prayers in sets of two rakah. We learned earlier that when it comes to the night prayer, how is it performed? In sets of two rakah. So here Imam Bukhari is proving that even when it comes to the voluntary prayers that are performed during the daytime, they are supposed to be performed in sets of two rakah. Meaning after every two rakah, you say the Salam. So whether it is in the night or in the day, that is what you do. So we studied the hadith of istikhara, in which also we learned that when the Prophet ﷺ taught the manner of istikhara prayer, he said, pray two rakah and then make the dua. The next hadith is, حدثنا المكي بن إبراهيم عن عبد الله بن سعيد عن عامر بن عبد الله بن الزبير عن عمر بن سليم الزرقي سمع أبا قتادة بن ربعي الأنصاري رضي الله عنه قال قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم he said that the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said that اذا دخل احدكم المسجد when one of you enters the masjid فلا يجلس حتى يصلي ركعتين then he should not sit down until he performs two rak'at so here also where the tahiyatul masjid is mentioned how many rak'at do we learn about Two rakat. And remember that this is any time of the day or the night. If a person enters the masjid, then the first thing they should do is what? Pray two rakat. Now what happens is that if you enter at a time after asr, like for example, you go to the masjid for iftar. And there's literally like five or seven minutes maybe left until the iftar time. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? But... Aren't we forbidden from praying after Asr? Hmm? Isn't that the case? That the Prophet ﷺ forbade people from praying voluntary prayers after Asr. Remember that an exception to that is any voluntary prayer that is performed for a reason. Where there is a reason, it is permissible to perform that voluntary prayer even if it is after Asr or it is in any of the forbidden times. So for example, we also learn about Inshallah, we learn about this later today, that performing prayer after Fajr. So you did your Fard of Fajr. After that, even if there is an hour until sunrise, you are not allowed to pray. Alright? There is no Salah after Fajr. And there is basis for that. There is clear evidence for that. Unless a person has to perform prayer for a reason, a voluntary prayer for a reason. What could that voluntary prayer be? For example, they missed their sunnah of fajr. Okay? They missed their sunnah of fajr. Sometimes it happens. Like for instance, a person is going to the masjid to pray fajr. Right? They thought they would pray their sunnah. But as they arrive, they see that the jama'ah has already begun. So now do they pray their sunnah or do they join the jama'ah? They have to join the jama'ah. Right? But then, can they pray their two rakah sunnah that they were supposed to pray before the fard, after the fard? 
can they? But isn't it forbidden to pray at that time? It is forbidden unless there is a reason. Okay? So here also, remember this, that any time of the day or the night that you enter the masjid, you pray two rak'ah before sitting down. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن إسحاق بن عبد الله بن أبي طلحة عن أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه قال صلى لنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ركعتين ثم انصرف He said Anas bin Malik said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam performed two rak'ah prayer for us and then he left in sarafa he ended the prayer or he left now this is referring to a particular incident okay anas bin malik radiyallahu anhu remember that young companion who used to serve the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam right who was his mother who was his mother his father died and his father died as a non muslim but who was his mother um um sulaim exactly um sulaim radiyallahu anha remember she brought anas bin malik Right? When he was very young to the Prophet ﷺ, holding him with his hand, brought him to the Prophet ﷺ and said that he's going to serve you. Right? So we learned that the Prophet ﷺ visited their house. He visited the house of Umm Sulaim and Anas bin Malik was also there and there was another orphan boy that was there and the Prophet ﷺ performed two rak'ah Umm Sulaim requested the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam at that occasion that won't you make dua for this boy? So she requested him to make dua for her son, and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam made dua for Anas radiallahu anhu that he should have a long life and that he should have many children and and also a lot of wealth. And this dua was accepted for Anas radiallahu anhu. So this is the incident that is being referred over here. So even when the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam went to their house. How many rak'at nafil did he perform? Two. The next hadith, حدثنا يحيى بن بكير حدثنا الليث عن عقيل عن ابن شهاب قال أخبرني سالم عن عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله عنهما قال صليت مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ركعتين قبل الظهر. Who is narrating this hadith? Abdullah bin Umar. And he's saying that I prayed with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. Two rak'at before zuhr. وَرَكْعَتَيْنِ بَعْدَ zuhr. And two rak'at after zuhr. وَرَكْعَتَيْنِ بَعْدَ الْجُمُعَةِ Two rak'at after Jumu'ah. وَرَكْعَتَيْنِ بَعْدَ الْمَغْرِبِ Two rak'at after Maghrib. وَرَكْعَتَيْنِ بَعْدَ الْعِشَاءِ And two rak'at after Isha. So what pattern do we see over here? What pattern do we see? Any voluntary prayer that is being performed before the fard or after the fard? How many units is it? Two. Meaning after two, there was a salam. Now, isn't it that before zuhur, we're supposed to perform four rak'at? Yeah? Four rak'at with one salam. Isn't that the case? Right? Well, that is an exception. Okay? That is an exception. And even for that, There are two narrations that we learn about. For the sunnah before zuhud, there are two narrations. Okay? One narration tells us that it was four rak'at with one salam. Okay? And other narrations tell us that it was four rak'at with two salam. So what does it mean by that? If it was four rak'at with two salam, what does it mean? In sets of 
two. But if a person performs four rakat before zuhr, all right, with one salam, is that correct? That is also correct as it is proven from the sunnah. So basically a person has a choice of doing either four with one salam or two and two, meaning four with two salam. But this hadith also proves to us that it is correct to perform two rakah and not four before fard of zuhr. Okay? Meaning before the fard of zuhr, it is correct to perform two rakat also instead of four. You understand? What happens is that many times we think, oh my God, four rakah for zuhr fard and now four before that and then two after that. How am I going to do it? I'm already very tired. So how do I do it? Don't leave it all together. Okay? Don't leave the sunnah of fard altogether. Pray for whenever you can. Okay? The more you do it, the better it is. But on the days where you are tired or short on time, then don't leave the sunnah altogether. Perform two at least. Okay? And the benefit of performing four rakat with two salam, meaning two and two, okay? The benefit of that is that sometimes what happens is that you go to the masjid, the aqama has been made, and you don't know when the salah is going to start. Right? Sometimes they start right away. Sometimes they delay for like a good 10-15 minutes. So then what do you do? Right? So in that case, if you pray in sets of two, then you don't have to rush through your salah. Okay? It's easier also. So you have the choice basically. حدثنا آدم قال أخبرنا شعبة أخبرنا عمرو بن دينار قال سمعت جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله عنهما قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وهو يخطب إذا جاء أحدكم والإمام يخطب أو قد خرج فليصلي ركعتين جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله عنه narrated that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said وهو يخطب he said while he was giving his khutbah this is referring to the Jumu'ah khutbah. So basically, he interrupted his khutbah in order to give a certain piece of advice. And what was that? That إِذَا جَاءَ أَحَدُكُمْ When one of you comes, meaning enters the masjid to perform Jumu'ah salah, وَالْإِمَامُ يَخْتُبُ But the imam at that time is giving the khutbah, meaning the khutbah has already started. أَوْ قَدْ خَرَجَ Or the imam has come. Meaning he has arrived. He's just about to begin the khutbah. فَلْيُصَلِّ رَكَعَتَيْنِ Then a person should still perform two rakat. Meaning he should not sit down saying, well the khutbah has begun, I should focus on that. Hmm? Nor should he say, well the imam has come and the khutbah is going to start any second, so I should sit down. No. It's the same, same rule. That when you enter the masjid, you have to perform two rakat. Even if the imam is giving the khutbah. So if you enter the masjid and the salah has begun already, right? The jama'ah has begun. Then at that time you're not going to say, I have to pray my tahiyyatul masjid. What you're going to do is you're going to join the congregation. And should you pray after salatul isha? Then uh, for that it is said that tahiyyatul masjid is basically... What does it mean? Greeting the masjid. Meaning the first thing that you do upon entering the masjid is salah. Right? So before you sit down to listen to the khutbah, or you sit down to recite the Qur'an, or you sit down to wait for the uh, for salatul jama'ah to begin, before you sit down, what do you do? You pray to rakah. Now since you entered the masjid, 
and the first thing you did is that you performed the prayer, right? Then the requirement has been fulfilled. You understand? The requirement has been fulfilled. But if you want to do it, absolutely no harm. So in this hadith, what do we learn? That even when a person enters a masjid, khutbah is going on, what do they do? They perform two rakat. So in all of these hadith, Imam Bukhari is proving that even the voluntary prayers of the day have to be performed in satsaf too. And you see how there are different types of voluntary prayers, aren't they? So on the one hand we have the istikhara, on the other we have the, the tahiyatul masjid, right? So all of them are two rakat. حدثنا أبو نعيم قال حدثنا سيف بن سليمان المكي سمعت مجاهدا يقول أتي ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما في منزله مجاهد reported that ابن عمر رضي الله عنه أتي what does أتي mean أتى means he came أتي what does that mean he was made to come meaning someone else came Okay, to Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu fi manzilihi in his home or in his residence where he was staying. So while Ibn Umar was in his residence, what happened? Someone came to him. فَقِيلَ لَهُ So it was said to him, meaning they told Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu that هَذَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ قَدْ دَخَلَ الْكَعْبَةِ That here is a messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he has entered the Kaaba. Meaning he's coming and telling Ibn Umar, the Prophet ﷺ just entered the Kaaba. You don't want to miss that. Okay? Of course, from this, uh, we understand that this was in Mecca. Right? So what happened? Qala, Ibn Umar anhu. he said, فَأَقْبَلْتُ So I went. Right? Meaning he went to the Haram, to the Kaaba right away, in order to see what the Prophet ﷺ would do inside the Kaaba. But what happened? فَأَجِدُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَدْ خَرَجَ But I found that the Prophet ﷺ had just come out of the Kaaba. So basically he missed what the Prophet ﷺ did inside the Kaaba entirely. He didn't see it. He didn't witness it. But then did he just say, oh well, I missed it? No. وَأَجِدُ بِلَالًا عِنْدَ الْبَابِ He said, I found Bilal radiallahu anhu by the door. Qa'iman, standing there. فَقُلْتُ يَا بِلَالِ So I said, O oh Bilal, صَلَّى رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فِي الْكَعْبَةِ The Prophet ﷺ prayed inside the Kaaba. What did he do inside the Kaaba? He asked Bilal. Why is he asking Bilal? Because Bilal anhu was standing by the door of the Kaaba, which means that if he was standing there, he saw the Prophet ﷺ entering and, and doing what he did inside. So he asked him, قَالَ نَعْمْ بِلَالَ رَضِي اللَّهُ عَنْهُ said yes قُلْتُ فَأَيْنَ Ibn Umar said I asked him then where meaning where exactly in the Kaaba did he pray meaning in which direction which part right because how do you face the Kaaba inside the Kaaba right you face the Kaaba from outside the Kaaba so then which direction did, did he pray in and where which spot exactly did he pray in قُلْتُ I said فَأَيْنَ قَالَ بَيْنَ هَاتَيْنِ he said, between these two, ustuwanatain, these two pillars. So he prayed between these two pillars. Summa kharaja, fasalla rakatayni fi wajhil kaaba. And then he came out and prayed two rakat in front of the kaaba. 
So Ibn Umar is saying that when the Prophet ﷺ, when he had come out of the Kaaba, he performed two rak'at again, facing the Kaaba. Now from this hadith again, what do we see? The Prophet ﷺ is performing two rak'at, inside the Kaaba and outside the Kaaba. Which prayer is this? This is purely voluntary. Qala Abu Abdullah, Qala Abu Hurayrah radiallahu anhu, Abu Hurayrah radiallahu anhu said that awsani nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallama bi raka'atayid duha. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ordered me to perform two raka'a of duha. Now again, Imam Bukhari is not mentioning the entire hadith over here. He's just referring to that. That this is what Abu Hurayrah radiallahu anhu said. The hadith will come later. In this hadith also, what do we learn? Duha prayer, this is purely voluntary. So for that also, how many rakat? Two. وَقَالَ عِتْبَانُ And Itban radiallahu anhu said, that غَدَى عَلَيَّ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَأَبُو بَكْرٍ The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Abu Bakr came to me in the morning. غَدَى Remember in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that wa is ghadawta min ahlik. Right? When the Prophet ﷺ left early in the morning for the battle. This is for Uhud. Right? So ghada, meaning he came early in the morning and he didn't come alone, he came with Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. nahar. After the day had extended. Imtadda. What does imtadda mean? To stretch, to extend. So what is meant by that is that after the day had begun, meaning the morning light had set in, the day had begun, that is the time when he came to my house, وَصَفَفْنَا وَرَاءَهُ And we formed rows behind him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, فَرَكَعَ رَكْعَتَيْنَ And he performed two rak'at. Again, what do we see over here? Two rak'at. Voluntary prayer is being performed because is there any legislated uh, fard prayer to be performed at this time of the day? No, there isn't. It's voluntary. Right? So how many rakat were performed? Two rakat. Okay? Now, this is a very interesting hadith which is not mentioned in full over here. It's mentioned elsewhere in Sahih Bukhari but only a part of that is mentioned here to prove the chapter heading that voluntary prayers in the day are also supposed to be in sets of two. The narration is such that Uthban bin Malik radiallahu anhu, he was a companion whose eyesight was becoming weak. And a point came where it became extremely weak. And Uthban bin Malik radiallahu anhu had actually participated in Badr. Alright, he had participated in Badr, so he was not an, you know, an ordinary person. He was amongst the best of the best. Now what happened is that Uthban bin Malik, he was far from the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, far from there. However, he would lead the people in his area in salah. Okay, so the people who lived in his area, he would lead them in salah. Okay, but the place that they had set up for prayer was a little far from his house in the sense that he had to cross a valley. Okay, and in the hadith we learn that Uthban bin Malik radiallahu anhu said that whenever it rains, that valley becomes flooded, and it is very difficult for me to go to that musalla. So what does that mean? He can neither go to the masjid of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa nor could he go to his local musalla. Right? 
So what could he do? He could perform the prayer at his own house. But he didn't want to do that without making his house a musalla also. Okay? So that he could lead his family or the people around his house in prayer at his house. So what happened? He asked the Prophet ﷺ that please come to my house, lead us in prayer so that I can make my house into a musalla. Okay? So what happened? The next day, the Prophet ﷺ, early in the morning, Ghada, he came to his house with Abu Bakr anhu. When he came in hadith, we learned the Prophet ﷺ asked permission to enter. When he entered, he was given the permission he entered. He asked Itban immediately that where would you like me to pray? He didn't say, let us sit down, let's have a chat first. No, he said, where would you like me to pray? And Ithban who told him, this is where I would like you to pray. So this is what is mentioned, that the Prophet ﷺ stood, Abu Bakr anhu and the other people over there who had gathered, they formed a row behind the Prophet ﷺ, and the Prophet ﷺ led them in to Raka'at. Right? And then we learn that the Prophet ﷺ stayed after the Salah, the people had prepared some food, and they brought that food, they served it to him, everybody ate, and then they spoke. Right? And then somebody was mentioned, a man was mentioned, and somebody said that, oh, he's a hypocrite. And the Prophet ﷺ said, don't say that. Right? He defended him, he said that this person has said, la ilaha illallah, he believes in that. How could you say that he's a hypocrite? And he said that, the person who said that, you know, he's a hypocrite, said that we have seen him talking to hypocrites a lot. But the Prophet ﷺ still defended him, saying that if a person has said La ilaha illallah, then Allah will save him from hellfire. Right? So this is the entire narration that is mentioned in other places, in Sahih Muslim and Bukhari. But here Imam Bukhari just mentions a small portion of it to prove that even voluntary prayer during the daytime is to be performed in sets of two rakat. Anything you would like to say before we continue? Any question, any comment? Yes, go ahead. That means that the volunteer prayer can also be done in Jama? Of course. This hadith proves that voluntary prayer can be performed in congregation also. Right? And this is not limited to the night prayer only. For the night prayer, there is clear evidence. The Prophet ﷺ was praying in the masjid. Right? In Ramadan, what happened? Some people found out that he was praying, they just joined him. And if somebody joins you in salah, you can't say that, no, no, I'm not leading you. Right? You're automatically made the imam. Okay? So they did that with him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and they really enjoyed the prayer. What happened? More people came. News spread, more people came. So this happened for a couple of nights, and then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam did not come out into the masjid at all, out of fear that it would be legislated. So for the night prayer, there's clear evidence that it can be performed in congregation. But this is not limited to the night prayer only. This can be done for any prayer, okay, any voluntary prayer, any time of the day. All right, It can be performed in congregation. So for example, if you are teaching someone how to pray, okay, you're teaching someone how to pray, you know, the best way would be that you pray with them. Okay? So can you lead them with the intention of voluntary prayer? Can you? Definitely you can. Right? So that they will learn. Somebody else? Yes, go ahead. I'm amazed uh, about Abdullah ibn Umar. 
how like he doesn't want to miss any part of what the Prophet ﷺ did is when he entered in the Kaaba. He just was so curious to find out what he did, how he going to do So I can follow him, I can do the same things. So he was so curious, that's why... Exactly. And you see, because he was curious, and he was always eager to learn and observe what the Prophet ﷺ was doing, other people also helped him with that. Right? Because somebody came to him in his manzil, where he was staying, that the Prophet ﷺ just entered the Kaaba. Right? Why did somebody come to him? Why? Why did they give him that news? Because they knew that it mattered to him. Right? Assalamu alaikum. I just had a question. You know how you said we can pray if there's a need? Does that include like prayer of hajat or like last time you mentioned prayer of istaghara? Of course. If there is an urgent need to perform istikhara, you know, sometimes you can delay istikhara. You know, it's not like an, an immediate issue, but sometimes it's an urgent issue. You have to get back to somebody, you have to give an answer, and it's urgent. You cannot delay. So for that, definitely you can pray istikhara. Okay? I was just thinking like, subhanAllah, you know, the solution that Ithman came up with for when he was not able to make it to the Masallah, you know, um, only a person who has focus to just achieve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his pleasure would think of such a focus. Uh, otherwise, like, you know, people would come up with different solutions like, okay, maybe the next door building is empty, I'll make that a Masallah. Or how, what about friend's house or, you know, something else, or I'll just pray or, for the rest exactly. of the time at home. Or I, just, I, I don't have to go to the Masallah, I don't have to go to the Masjid. And he had a reason. His eyesight was extremely weak and it was getting weaker and weaker. And he asked to pray in his house only for the days when there was, when the streets were flooded. Right? One more thing that I find very interesting is that, I mean, technically, you can make your house into a musalla if you just start, you know, if you make the announcement, if you tell people that here we'll be performing jama'ah. Right? You can do that. So why didn't he just do that? Why did he ask the Prophet ﷺ to come and initiate that? Why? What does that teach us? Hmm? I mean, if the Prophet ﷺ is praying there, then people would be more eager to pray there also. Right? Also perhaps to seek the blessing. Right? You see, he could have started his own musalla. He could have. He didn't even have to inform the Prophet ﷺ. He didn't just inform, he kind of asked permission and then he asked, requested his participation. Right? When you do things in this way, where you stay connected, right? Then what happens is that even though you are no longer working together in the same roof, under the same roof, but you have worked, you have begun your work in cooperation with others, then what will happen? Your work will have more barakah and khair. It will. And if we start things on our own, like, you know, quietly, oh, I don't need to tell others, I don't need to tell, you know, my teacher or whoever, I'll just start things on my own. We don't even take their advice. We don't ask them for dua. We are depriving ourselves of khair. You understand what we're doing? We're depriving ourselves of khair. If we tell somebody, like for example, our teacher, this is what I'm doing. Do you have any advice for me? This is what I want to do. Can you please come and help me with this? 
then what happens is that yadullahi fawqal jama'a right the congregation people who work together then allah's special help his hand is over the jama'a allah's help is with them his aid is with them unity is strength but what happens is we learn a few things and we're like you know what i'm going to start my own thing i'm going to start my own thing and then we reinvent the wheel and we make mistakes and we are struggling and then we give up there is nothing wrong in seeking help from those who are experienced nothing wrong it doesn't mean that you have to you're bound by their ways no you're not you're not restricted by their ways you are seeking their help and you are seeking allah's blessing by staying together in whatever way that can be you see this was approval this was his his participation for blessing and why shouldn't we be eager for that khair right we learn about the the hypocrites that they had made their own places where they would gather and they would talk and they would chat in the name of good stuff what would they do plot against the muslims right so if we are doing something khair we don't need to be secretive about it if we're doing something good we don't need to be secretive we need to share the khair right not so that other people can criticize us no we need to share yes crit- criticism will come okay maybe it will come but share take advice why so that your work has quality so i was trying to do, catch up with a lot of sunnah prayers mm-hmm. and um I was reading some type of hadith on Islam Q&A. And they were talking about duhr and the virtue of praying for before and for after. So I just wanted to know if... Yeah, for duhr, like the, you read the hadith, there is four narrated also, but in, according to this hadith that we see of Ibn Umar, how many raka'at was that? Two. So some narrations mention four, some narrations mention two. And that just shows us the ease and the you know variety is for the purpose of ease. Okay, sometimes you are able to perform four and sometimes you're able to perform only two. Assalamualaikum. You said that there are certain times that we can't pray and unless there's a purpose. Could you give examples of salahs that don't have a purpose? Like for example, you prayed fajr. You're done. You're done your adhkar and then there's still 45 minutes until the sun rises. So you say, okay, let me recite the Quran. And then you're like, since I'm reciting anyway, might as well pray nafil. You understand? So that is not for any, you know, real reason. That's just voluntary for the sake of voluntary. Our problem is that we barely perform voluntary for the sake of reason. Right? So we don't perform voluntary prayers just like that. Okay? But there is a concept of performing voluntary prayers just like that. Okay? Without any reason also. You understand? You are free. You have time. What do you do? You can perform salah. Right? But you can't perform it just like that in these forbidden times. Okay? Okay. What do you mean by the forbidden times? Okay, so there's two types of forbidden times. Okay? One is, one is that the Prophet ﷺ forbade performing prayer after performing Fajr Salah and Asr Salah. This does not mean that the sun is rising or the sun is setting. It means because you finished your Fajr, now there is no more Salah until after sunrise. Because you performed your Asr, now there is no more Salah until Maghrib. 
You understand? The sunset. Alright? So this is one type of forbidden time. The other type of forbidden time is, which one? The time when the sun is actually rising. You understand? Or the time when the sun is setting. Meaning, you see the sun disappearing, you see the sun appearing. That time, you don't perform prayer. Like for example, you wake up for Fajr, okay? And it is right at the time when the sun is rising. Can you perform Fajr then? No, you cannot. You will wait for the sun to completely rise and then you will perform your Salah. But let's say there's still a minute or two until the sun begins to rise. Can you perform your Fajr then? Yes, you can. Because in Hadith we learn that even if a person can get one Raka'ah, they can. What can they do? They can perform their Fadr. Whether that is Fajr or that is Asr. Okay?